You're listening to In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics, The Nom. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of In Country, a podcast that is taking a complete look at Marvel Comics' The Nom. I'm your host, Tom Panneries. This time around, I'm taking a look at issue number 37 of The Nom, which takes place in February of 1969. And our song this time out is Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone, which was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for four weeks, from mid-February to mid-March of 1969. Our story, Colorblind, came out on August 29, 1989, and had a mid-November 1989 cover date, which means that the NOM was among several comic books back at this time which that would spend the summer going bi-weekly. Doug Murray was the writer, Wayne Van Sant, the penciler, Jeff Isher with the inker, Phil Felix was letters and colors, Don Daly was the editor, and Tom DeFalco was the editor-in-chief. We begin in Vietnam in February of 1969 at the 23rd's home base somewhere near the Cambodian border. We see the sweating faces of Biggs and Pig while Pig prepares for his GED test. Pig's obviously nervous and wonders if he should take the test later. Big says no. Pig has come this far and he shouldn't give up. While he does that, the rest of the platoon approaches the point chosen for their next ambush. Daniels is talking about how he returned from his injury while Cruz asks Ice about the racial problems going on in the platoon. While Ice acknowledges something's going on, he says it's his problem and he needs to handle it. Later, as the platoon settles into position, Martini drops his pliers and asks Williams for help. Williams just sneers at him, leaving Martini to get them himself. Ice tells him that this wasn't a good move, and Williams asks what he's going to do about it. Ice grabs him and says that he's tired of being a nice guy about all of his bull. He then puts Williams on watch at 0200. And so it comes to pass that at 0200, Martini wakes up Williams, who then falls asleep while he's on watch. Some hours later, as an NVA patrol approaches the ambush site, Williams is asleep and they spot the claim wars. They realize the trail of Claymores leads to Americans. Williams wakes up just as NVA soldiers approach him with a knife and shoots the NVA soldier. Ice wakes up and gets the others up, and as the men explode out of their sleep, the camp is engulfed in chaos. Bullets are flying everywhere, and Martini tries to detonate the Claymores, but discovers the wire has been cut. Martini grabs his rifle and starts firing. Ice tells Cruz to get everyone out of there. Cruz starts to get the guys out of guys out and ice orders miller to launch a white phosphorus grenade miller however drops the grenade as he's loading it and ice tells him to forget it and get moving DeMeo is shot and killed while they clear out and ice gets enough distance between him and the nva to chuck a grenade behind him ice tells daniels to get on the radio daniels is about to when the phone part gets hooked on a vine he then gets it free and falls to the ground martini gives him a hand but is shot in the leg ice provides cover while they help martini out the NVA closes in as they run and things start to look desperate when several of those NVA soldiers are taken out by cover fire from crews and the rest of the platoon. 
Seconds later, as willing hands tend to Martini's wounds, Daniels calls for fire and Miller tries to figure out why he can't get his grenade launcher to fire while Williams refers to him as useless. This will be important later in the story. Then we hear incoming and the artillery comes in, but a little too close. Miller still tries to clear his M79, like I said, it's going to be important later, while the next artillery salvo hits its target clean. They watch as several more salvos take out the rest of the NVA troops, and then several minutes later, in a quiet clearing, a medical chopper comes in to pick up Martini, who leaves on a stretcher, much to William's chagrin. And as the second group of choppers moves in, Ice wants to talk to Williams. He asks what happens. Williams is about to answer when he's interrupted because the choppers have arrived. Cruz tells Ice that Williams, yes, is in trouble, but they'll take care of it later. As the platoon finishes its mission, two of its number complete quite a different task. Pig passes his GED, and Biggs congratulates him and tells him that he'll put in the paperwork and he'll be on his way to OCS. Pig then notices that the chopper is coming in a little wonky, and on board the chopper we see Williams and Miller arguing over why Miller never fired a shot. Miller says his grenade launcher jammed. He couldn't get it to work. Williams grabs the grenade launcher, telling Miller it can't jam, and he accidentally fires the grenade on board the chopper. The guys kick the grenade out, and it falls to the pavement below, right toward Pig and Biggs. Pig pushes Biggs out of the way and then goes down screaming, My eyes! God help me! My eyes! Okay, the ending... The ending of this pissed me off. I was really rooting for Pig. And for someone like Williams to just screw up because he can't get a chip off of his shoulder shoulder is just... Because honestly, he's to blame. He's to blame for just about everything in this issue. He falls asleep on watch. He argues with everyone. He causes Pig's injury. I, I, I want something to happen to him. But I'll say this. The ambush that makes up most of this issue is so well done. It's a situation where you see the enemy get the drop on our guys, and Murray, Van Sant, and Isherwood really give it a sense of drama and urgency. This isn't just a few VC being shot down over the course of a patrol. It's the NVA almost taking all of them out completely. DeMeo's flat out killed. Martini gets shot in the leg, and you can tell that Ice is desperate to get everyone to safety as best as possible. And what I like is that they're not scared to simply let that whole attack scenes take up the entire issue. In fact, there are shades of more comic writing in this issue, meaning that the storyline we've had going for a little while has a bit of a written for the trade feel about it and I don't mean that as an insult to be honest I've said this before I think that Doug had Doug Murray been writing the nom for say image or Oni another company or another company today he'd be able to take this book all the way through to the end of his vision with very little problem and it would be issues like this that did it it's not so much a middle chapter in the sense that we had to read earlier issues to know what was going on But it does continue a story in a great way while not alienating new readers and gives us one huge action scene as well. At the same time, the fact that this ends up injuring Pig has the feel of the cliffhanger ending of a network drama where the guy one day away from retirement gets killed or hurt in some way. It's the first time that Murray's employed writing something like this. 
And it definitely makes me want to find out what happens in the next issue. But at the same time, it was a little bit groan-worthy. Still, even with that, I loved this issue. Mainly uh, for the amount of action it had and how much that was so well done. So when I get back, I'm going to take a look at the historical context, letters, and ads. Star Trek Comic books Mythology Video games Toys Star Wars Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. So white phosphorus was used extensively in Vietnam, especially in combat against the Viet Cong. The compound burns very, very brightly and very quickly and creates a lot of smoke. Plus, it uses up a lot of oxygen, so it could often be sent down into a VC tunnel and used to smoke them out and suffocate them. The compound is quite toxic and can burn one's skin. As a result, its use in wartime against other people has been severely restricted and is regulated by international humanitarian law. As for the war itself around this time, on February 23, 1969, the VC attacked 110 targets in and around Saigon. On February 26, 36 Marines are killed when the NVA raids their base near the DMZ. That's about it. For this historical context, there's not a huge amount. They're always light months, as we've seen. Incoming, however, does have its fair share of letters. Nathan Allard wonders why GIs in Vietnam destroyed enemy weapons when they captured them. He thinks the enemy weapons would have been of some use, along with gasoline and other captured things. Doug says, Nathan's soldiers did occasionally keep captured weapons for souvenirs. However, when you consider that the average group was carrying 40 pounds of weapons, food, ammo, and sundries on his body, adding another 10 or 12 pounds of enemy weapons created quite a problem, more when you consider they fire ammo which will not fit an American weapon. Also, many times weapons would be booby-trapped. As for the Marvel logo, we changed the color so it doesn't get boring. He actually asked about changing the color of the Marvel symbol in the top left-hand corner. Because we care. Um, Sergeant Robert H. A. Coppage of Catola, California says, Guys, in issue number 34, page 25, panel 2, the weapon held in Iceman's face is a Beretta 992F M9. But in panel three, it looks like a standard 45 millimeter. Is this my imagination? I didn't think there were M9s in Nam. By the way, I love the book. Keep it up. Uh, Doug says, I can only say that a 45 millimeter looked at from above strongly resembles an M9. After all, it can't be an M9. There weren't any in, in Vietnam. Brian Henry of Eustace, Florida says, Let me start by saying that I really like your book. I was fortunate enough to notice the first issue and buy it on the other since. I especially like to read and respond to the incoming page. As I have written a few of the vets and, and gotten interesting correspondence from them. I enjoy the fact that your history is correct because I'm 31 years old and want to know if I missed anything by not being able to go to Vietnam. 
maybe that sounds crazy, but I never read, I read every paperback nonfiction book that I can find about Vietnam and appreciate the fact that we had a chance to win a war, but didn't. Maybe the special forces and Montagnards had been left alone. Anyway, I've collected the nom up to issue number 34 and hope to get the whole set. You're all doing a great job and I appreciate it. I think the men on the wall would approve what you're doing. After all, Mike Albergo is up there and he certainly would keep up the good work. Doug says, thank you for the kind words, Brian. You didn't miss a thing in Vietnam, believe me. We have Charlie Liggett from Irvine, California, saying, I'm 14 years old and love this comic. I never collected comic books until the NOM. Anyway, in issue 15, Rob Little reads a letter from Ed Marks, which says that Marks is a drill instructor. Later in issue 26, Marks is a student at Columbia. Was that a mistake? Also, how about a story on chopper crews, you know, pilots, door gunners, and crew chiefs? And will we ever know who flat fragged Lieutenant Alarnik? Doug says, Charlie, Ed Marks finished his army hitch, in his case, two years as a drill instructor. Many Vietnam returnees were less, with less than a year to go were used this way. Uh, after his army time, Marks went back to college. As for chopper crews, yeah, we'll get to that. Who fragged Alarnik? Figure it out. <laughs> Nam notes, hey, troops, we're, on, we're, we're here in the new ones this trip. Just getting easier, doesn't it? Boku, after all, the French were there before us. This one means a lot. Bring some smoke, make some noise, open fire. A Chinese fire drill, any group activity that doesn't go quite according to plan. Claymores, shaped explosive charges that fire all kinds of nasty things at people you don't like. A nice defensive weapon. Go into the woods, like in the fairy tales, all sorts of bad things can happen in the woods or the jungle. Kalishnikov, the Soviet gunsmith who created the world's most common assault weapon, the AK-47, Assault Kalishnikov number 47, NVA's North Vietnamese Army, OCS Officer Candidate School, where non-West Pointers go to become officers, RT, Radio Telephone, Wax, Kill or Dispose of, WP, White Phosphorus, Nasty Stuff that Burns Until You Cut It Off. All for now, just a word of warning, issue 41, just around the corner, is a really odd one. Brace yourselves. And then in a box it says, if you like the NOM, you're not the only one. The University of Colorado at Fort Collins contains one of the greatest collections of Vietnam memorabilia and is one of the top scholarly archives on the Vietnam War in the country. So you can imagine how we and NOM writer Doug Murray felt when they requested from Doug a complete set of the NOM scripts for their permanent collection. It's a tremendous honor and reaffirms how important this series has become. Congratulations, Doug. And we have the U.S. Postal Service statement, legalese thing. Probably a lot of the same ads this time around as we were bi-weekly. Uh, the Tengen ad is there as is the Mega Man 2 and the Science Fiction Book Club. They're just in different places. Bionic Commando, uh, this acclaimed kid with the remote controls that don't work, the same bullpen bulletins. Uh, ooh, we have a new one. Mr. Bubbles Tub Tales. A mom is, and it's a four-panel comic, a mom is is standing by a lake where one while her daughter plays the mud and um, her son sails a sailboat. She says, you've had so much fun getting dirty. It's home to the bath for you two. And the kids say, yeah, bath time. Mr. Bubble can't wait. So much fun. Even the dog's into it. And she's like, huh? Mr. Bubble makes getting clean almost fun as getting dirty, the kid says in the tub. 
with the dog hanging out and Mr. Bubble looming in the background. And then the boy and the girl are standing there in a sweatshirt and t-shirt it says even that have Mr. Bubble on it. It says, even after the bath, Mr. Bubble is still fun. Order your t-shirt, sweatshirt, or watch today. And you can order a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, or a Mr. Bubble watch. And there's new Bubbleberry fragrance with aloe. Um, and the Mr. Bubble watch is twelve ninety five. And the, the t-shirt, you can get adult-sized t-shirts. Add a dollar for postage and handling. Um... It's kind of drawn like an Archie comic. And uh, the mom's drawn to be like, you know, kind of hot blonde mom in a sense. I don't know. There's, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely drawn to be kind of like silly or, 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 or kind of that corny looking artwork. Mr. Bubbles Tub Tales. We have Sears, the Sears catalog ad, the Star Trek figurines, Cap still surfing on the shield. And we are still turning our home into a sewer, courtesy of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and playing a D&D, which is on the back page. I realize this was a much shorter episode than usual. When the issue, it was good, but a lot of stuff that was just a little bit thin. So uh, hopefully the next couple of episodes round out, are a little bit longer and round this out a little more. But until then, uh, we'll, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next issue of the NOM, the next episode of the series. And until then, thank you for listening and take care. You have been listening to In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics, The Nom. The Nom and all of the comics associated with it are copyright Marvel Comics. And since this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Images, clips, and show notes can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, which is located at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback can be sent by email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. In Country also has a Facebook page, and you can like the podcast at facebook.com slash incountrypodcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Network of Podcasts, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can download this podcast and many other great podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. Want to support this and the other Two True Freaks podcasts? Go to twotruefreaks.com and click the Amazon.com link. It costs you no extra money, but really helps us all out. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the next chapter in the saga of The Nom. Every day.